Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 welcome back to the seth leapson show 602 uh we have our yellow sheet of unresolved issue segments we've got to deal with later today david don't we so let's not forget to do that let's first go to steve in tempe hello steve seth how you doing i'm fine how are you uh, doing good, doing good. Um, yeah, I just, uh, by the way, I was uh, sad to hear the news about Gordon Lightfoot, too. He, yeah. that, um, uh, I, I'm curious, though. We, we, you said you had him on, or had him interviewed to talk about uh, that song, If You Could Read My Mind, or... or yeah, actually... so we were, yeah, in 2006, for some reason, it's back when I was with the Bill Bennett Show in Washington, for some reason or other, that song came up, and Bill was saying, you know, the lyrics just don't make sense. Uh, and, you know, great song, uh, lyrics don't make sense. And his drummer, I think it was, Gordon Lightfoot's drummer, I think, was listening and called us and said, would you like me to try and get Gordon on your show and he can explain it? And that's how it developed. So we did interview him. Yeah, I... I I swear that's probably one of the most haunting songs. It is. I've, it I've is. ever. I mean, it's it's un. And, and yeah, just uh, and I I had always I, I was just curious what he what he said because I was it, always it didn't help the impression of the, it. it I, <laughs> he didn't he didn't clear it up. <laughs> oh really? No. I I I, I always um, heard the story behind it was that it, that it was a, a very personal song. It was. I think it was about yes. his ex-wife. Yeah, something like that. Of course, all his songs were about his exes, I think, uh, except Sundown, which was about his current that soon became an ex. <laughs> Sundown uh, was about a current. Of course, the Edmund Fitzgerald wasn't about one. But yeah, all his songs were either about a breakup, he said, or a soon-to-come breakup. But, you know, I'd walk away like a movie star who gets burned in a three-way script, enter number two, a movie queen to play the scene of bringing all the good things out in me. But for now, I mean, the lyrics are difficult, but it, they are deep. You know they're deep and they're good. And there are sentences oh, yeah. that make sense. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, unbelievable song. But I, I remember when that first came out, too, it was, uh, yeah, it like I said, haunting yeah, song. Yeah, that's the right <laughs> word for it. That's a good word for it. Especially yeah. with the ghost imagery in there, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, Seth, I was going to ask you. Yesterday, you had Brandon Weikert yes. on, as you usually do, and I was really sh- well. I was kind of taken aback by um, his comment. You know, you were talking about the election, obviously, and Trump and what was going, and it, it he flat out. You know, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but he was he came out and just said that you know the the election coming up is is done. I that, was that, wondering uh, if anyone would call about that. You're right. Oh that's, yeah, that's what he said. He said, "I if, know." Yeah, and, yeah, he did say that. And I I just do not understand that at all because um, there are so many. I mean, there. <laughs> 
you know, I could see him uh, if he had if he had some inside information. You know, uh, six months before the election, I could see him making a comment like that. But but give me a break. I mean, we're we're like we're not even half into twenty. I mean, seriously. I mean, you know, and, and it's like uh, um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm glad he's not coaching the uh, the Suns right now because you know, because why play? But. I know, but yeah, but but um, I'll tell you, uh, and and I wanted to ask you, and you just had your uh, your um, oh gosh, your previous guest, and, I, and uh, his name escapes me. That the uh, financial oh yeah, uh, John Dabrowski, yeah, right, Dabrowski, yeah. Um, I'll tell you, Seth. One of the metrics that I think is going to be critically important in this upcoming election, and it, I, I mean, I don't, I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about it right now but you look at where the dow jones is yeah. right now yeah give me a break i mean it's almost at the point where it was when trump left office yeah i mean he left office uh just prior to the dow jones uh, hitting 30,000 right and you look at where it's at now and you look and and you and i both know had he been able to remain in office and have his second term just imagine where that where the Dow would be right now mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. it's it's unbelievable I mean you you can't I think, I think it gained you know, something like close to 60 percent under Trump I think it did I think it did overall oh, I think I think it I'm was about that yeah and, and I'm I'm I've got to look that up myself just to see where the I'm curious now where that where the numbers were prior to him taking because uh uh, you and I both know. I mean, I look at I look at Barack Obama's eight years in office, and you know the, the best analogy I could I could think of to to simplify where where he was at with the economy and what Trump did to the economy is like uh, is like when you have a um, a garden hose that has a kink in it, mm-hmm. and his whole eight, eight years. I mean, oh, that's a nice image. Kind of yeah, unwinding the yeah. kink. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And when Trump came into office, he he opened up that, the, you know, the floodgates, so to speak. And you look at where you look at, you know, the fact that we were at, uh, we had never, he, Obama had never achieved three percent growth in his entire eight years, mm-hmm. and Trump achieved it in in his first term. Yeah, and or first year, I think, in office. You and, know, it makes uh, me wonder this question: Does it matter? I mean, I've been very. My friends around me have been like telling me to snap out of it uh jim and hugh and others that do things matter do i mean these these facts do they matter anymore do facts matter i you know that that's that, that's a good question because it's it's almost like you're thinking all these things are happening yeah. and all the and and it's like that's the weirdest thing right now right. about where we're at yes. right now it's like it just seems like nobody cares that's it's just what like i seem to happen- be picking up on now i have as i said a couple of close dear friends who keep saying come on get over it that's not true make them care or you know enough do but i i don't know man I, steve i'm pretty down on this place right now i'm pretty down on it yeah i well i'm I'm more optimistic because I honestly believe that when the time comes and people start to evaluate where we're at right now and the things that are going on right now, and the fact that Trump, to his you know to his great benefit coming in, if if in fact he is the candidate moving into 24, 
he does have a track record that he can point to, and people know what it was like back then. It wasn't that far back where uh, okay. nobody remembers. I agree how with it was. you on that, Steve, but that's part of my point, too, which is will it matter? Because it seems to me it's the temperament that seems to be driving everything. I mean, Joe Biden was flailing and failing going into the election. And uh, here's the one that kind of turned me. John Fetterman. The election of John Fetterman over a, um, you know, maybe you didn't like his politics, but a clearly educated, competent, and articulate physician loses to a guy who can't string together not two sentences, but one. I mean, does it matter? People could see, I mean... For all the wreckage of, of COVID during the Trump administration, the last year of the Trump administration, 2020, think about how bad much worse it would have been were the economy not in the shape it was in. Think about yeah. how much worse. Anyway, people saw, people saw, you know, what Joe Biden was, and we're all walking around like it's some Hans Christian Andersen story of the emperor with no clothes, and everyone's saying, yes, what a fine job this president is doing. What a fine job he is. At least it's not Donald Trump. And I just wonder if anyone matters or anything matters. Well, my, well, my question regarding that, what, what, you, what you're saying about that is, and I think, you know, I don't think we've really felt the heat yet from what is going, going on and, and, and just the policies that the Biden administration is, is implementing and ignoring moving forward. Um, you know they're they're art, they're artificially keeping the gas prices. Uh, you know they're still they're still high, but there are but uh, had have we not been using the reserves? Uh, you can imagine where they're where gas prices would be right now. But um, if he if 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 that continues, you look at where you know where gas prices are going and the increase in gas prices and other factors moving forward that are going to you know, people really just have not felt the heat of what's going on right now. When mm-hmm. they start feeling the heat, I think things change. Yeah, maybe. and hopefully that's going to happen prior to November twenty-four. I hope and, so. And um, yeah, because uh, you know, like I said, I think everybody's going along, and it's it's just a really weird phase right now that it's we're a, in. And a, I agree dang, with you on that. Dang weird, dang weird. It's I want to be an optimist. I just you know the facts come out and. I, I just don't know, man. I just don't know if it matters to people. I just don't know if they care. I just don't know. They they just go along with this. This this. Joe Biden called Donald Trump a clown. We have worse than a clown. I'd like a clown. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Doug is in Maricopa. How are you, Doug? I'm doing good. Now one of your eastern brothers, um, having moved, but I'd like to keep using Maricopa as my, you know, my namesake, so to speak. Okay. (laughs) I'm good with it. Yeah, Maricopa's in your heart. That's fine with me. You are where your it heart is. is. It is. It's a great town. Hey, quick thing here. Um, <clears throat> I kind of, uh, I love that last guest you have, but I tend to, I, I didn't hear um, you speak with uh, Weicker, but I just so love the Weicker report. But I tend to 
look at this as we're fighting two separate wars, and uh, we're on we're going to be on the losing side of it. I'm afraid unless we change, and I don't see the Republicans uh, willing to change. We're thinking in terms of campaigning, uh, kissing babies, uh, holding rallies, and. The Democrats don't have to worry about campaigning. They have many of their candidates. They don't debate like our uh, present governor there in Arizona. They don't have to debate. They can hide in their basement. They don't have to even talk policy that much. They just can insult you. Because the Democrats vote on ballot harvesting. And uh, we work on campaigning. They work on ballot harvesting. And I think we have two or three elections now that we can say their system works better. And even Trump said we've got to start thinking in terms of ballot harvesting. Uh, it's all legal, but it's it'd be it's really self destructive. It's legal in some places, just to be clear. Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Exactly. But unless you ha- please correct me, but. If we don't change and adapt, we're going to be really fighting. Like Sean Hannity says, you you enter the election day about 600,000 votes down. Maybe. Uh, I mean, I get the point. I take it. It's a serious one. It's a good one, Doug. I'll tell you what I lament um, in, in on this issue. <clears throat> um, I guess I can't say his name, but there was a prominent candidate in another state who I was talking with about. This very point and, you know, what we're up against versus what they have. And he says, you know, in some of these states, you know, they just the unions and, you know, they've they've got all these the union strength and they've got all these left wing organizations. And it's really hard. And I and I take the point. But on the other hand, what about all of our massive institutions that supposedly do so much work on behalf of getting out the vote, particularly religious organizations and the churches and the and all these 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 faith based semi faith faith based organizations that that convince us and raise a lot of money that tell us you know they have these huge army of election officials and watchers and stuff like that. What what of all that? It, it, are the are the unions stronger than the churches and the faith based institutions and the conservative movement that get so involved in elections? Maybe maybe. Yeah. My other yeah. concern is maybe we need to do a better job of vetting these organizations and what they are doing. Um, maybe they're not as strong as they say. Maybe they're not as good as they say. Maybe. Um, maybe Donald Trump is right and where it is um, <clears throat> legal to harvest, which is a lot of states, a lot of big states, they tend – to be a, a, a bit bluer, surprise, surprise, but not everywhere. I think Florida allows it. Um, I, for example, amongst uh, some states in the Midwest and Nevada, for sure. I maybe we need to do that and get better at, at our organizing. We don't seem to have the kinds of operations the Democrats are very good at. They have a so, whole social media campaign going right now with influencers. Uh, who's my guy? Who's the guy uh, who does such a good job of organizing, goes around the country with the long hair? Uh, I've had him on the show, and I'm just I'm blanking on his name. Pressler? Pressler? Scott Pressler? Is that his name? Scott Pressler. Does this great job of going, you know, state to state, town to town, registering voters for the Republican Party. Why has the RNC not hired him to do a social media or a media influencing campaign? 
why is it taking him, you know, 20 emails and 25 tweets to Ron or McDaniel to get up the drive at the RNC to do what the White House operation and the DNC is doing? I mean, you're right on this front, Doug. You're right. They are there. I don't know if there's 600,000 votes ahead of us in every election, but there's 600,000 miles ahead of us when it comes to getting out the vote with young people, influencers and social media. They they certainly are. I, I, I agree. And I, it's interesting. Um, I listen to Charlie Kirk occasionally in the morning, and he is mad as a hornet, you know, saying that we're fighting two separate wars. And he, he says we will lose because they have a – I agree with his analysis that they they harvest votes and we're campaigning. And in that situation, anybody, you could put up a mannequin. And if you can collect ballots and you have the system down – and he also interviewed when, when we were voting for the Republican chairman. They had, uh, what is that, Daniels in there and a few other people yeah, that Ronan, were running. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and then the attorney from uh, California, right. The attorney. And what they were pointing out is the Democrats have this army of legion of lawyers that are fighting these things, and we don't have anybody. Right. And so the Republican Party, that's where that's part of the ballot harvesting. They have a system to collect, to obstruct, to do everything. And we're like, la da 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 da. Let's let's do what we did in 1990, you know. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and it's really sim- very similar to going into World War Two and fighting it with tactics and weaponry of World War One. And then we go, I don't know why they won. You know, and, and, and if we're if we have no ability to adapt, well, we're not. Yeah, we, part half half the problem, not a hundred percent of it, probably, Doug, but half probably is our own house divided on this stuff. So uh, the California. Let attorney, me let me guess the establishment. Yes, yes. Let me guess. It might be our old friends, the establishment. Well, yes and yes, because partly it's a little bit of the Trump organization, too. They got <laughs> they, they were. No, they were behind Ronald McDaniel and we could have had Harmeet yes. Dillon. He yes. did not endorse her. And, yes. you know, this establishment thing is a funny thing when you think about it. What's the establishment? I mean, by definition, really, Donald Trump is the establishment now. He's the former yes, president, yes. you know, a, yes, bil- a billionaire yes. former president. That that yeah, he's and he's kind of running his race to the center, which is kind of interesting if you think about it. Uh, he he's running you to the that? left. Ki- he kind oh. of is. He kind of yeah, is. He, yeah, whether yeah, it's COVID, yeah, I, whether it's abortion, yeah. whether it's Budweiser, whether it's yes, it's a kind of interesting, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's totally bizarre. He's running to the left. It, yes. Uh, you noticed you know, it, too. And, I didn't know if I could oh, say it or not, God. but you agree. Okay. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of interesting. Yep, I agree. And, and that kind of stuff drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah. And so, like, you, you're with DeSantis. I was with Trump, but I'm starting to waffle. If I'm starting start... to waffle, too. I'm starting to go by fake. <laughs> I'm starting to go Ramaswamy. Oh, I love him. Well, let, 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 wait for that. Let's get into yeah. it in the next segment. All right, Doug. I, I love you, man. Thank you. I'm, I'll, be, I'll be right back.
Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, Russia, India, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, they're conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration is sending hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure here. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. The patents have been filed, and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The veterans at Midas Gold Group see devastating implications. The end of cash, big government able to see your every purchase, the end of financial privacy, could there be ties to social credit? They want you to own private currency, which is gold and silver, and now are offering free silver just for asking them at Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call the Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. It's 480-360-3000, com. All right, Doug inspired this point I've been trying to make for two days that I don't know if he can do anything here uh, big. He's pulling in low numbers, but it's early and anything can happen. But I like the cut of this guy's jib, Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy, uh, immigrant, uh, young. I don't think he's. Yeah, I don't. He's certainly he's thirty eight, I believe. He's not forty. Um, could appeal to a younger generation. Uh, could he's? You know what he does? He does the thing that we have long advocated for, and he doesn't do the thing we hate. One of the things I have long hated. I know Bill joins me in this is sometimes conservatives go into liberal precincts, liberal TV shows thinking, you know, they can yuck it up, be funny. It'll be fine. And they get their faces creamed. They just get wiped on the floor by your Bill Mars or whoever it is. The view, whatever it is, they think they can be cool and hip and they can't be. Vivek can. He goes. He goes prepared and he's not afraid to go right to the serious issues. So he was on with Chuck Todd on NBC this Sunday now, you know how well he did. Uh, they spent a lot of time on the transgender issue, which we'll get to in a moment. But you know how well he did when they spend a lot of time on the transgender issue. And when you go to the Meet the Press website, they highlight a portion of the interview about FBI reform. That burning issue of FBI reform. You know, the reason you would have Vivek Ramaswamy on your show on Sunday's Meet the Press to highlight that. Because... He cleaned Chuck Todd's clock on the serious social issues. Take it from the top, David. Let's just walk through it. Go ahead. Play um, it. Let me start with this overall look. You've got this anti-wokeism. You've written books about this. You've, this is your political identity as you've introduced yourself uh, to folks. I get it in a primary. Why are you convinced this message could actually work if you got the nomination in a general election? I think I'm speaking as a member of my generation here, Chuck, but I think it's true of all Americans We're all hungry for a cause right now in America. We're hungry for purpose and meaning at a point when the things that used to fill our hunger for purpose, faith, Mm -hmm. patriotism, family, hard work, these things have disappeared. So I see an opportunity to revive our missing national identity. I think that's something that Americans hunger for across the political spectrum, Mm -hmm. answering what it means to be an American today. You ask people my age that question. You get a blank stare in response. I think that is the vacuum at the heart of our national soul. I'm running for president to revive the ideals that actually set the nation into motion. I think that's going to unite the country. You know, it's interesting. Your rhetoric can sound uniting 
and your answer just now. But then you say the following things. The trans movement has become a cult. We need to abandon climate religion in America. I definitely find the idea of systemic racism revolting. I say this, how do you square those statements with unification? These are divisive times. This is a polarizing time. We're pretty evenly divided on these cultural issues. How do you unite, do you unite the country when you're essentially denigrating the views of half the country. Hold it right I there. I don't David. think I'm denigrating the pause views it, of half the country. Pa- pause it right there because we're going to go to break, and his full answer is worth hearing in full on the other side of this break. Um, again, what you are about to hear from Vivek Ramaswamy is someone who came prepared, knew what he was talking about, and was confident. Chuck Todd just gave him a litany of issues that he thinks are divisive. Because a Republican is saying something that liberals don't disagree with, we're being divisive, right? That's not uniting. The only way you unite is if you just become a Democrat and toe the Democratic line, according to the people at Meet the Press, including Chuck Todd. So Vivek, who is pushing against the culture that's pushing against us, is being divisive. I want you to hear Vivek's response, Ramaswamy's response when we come back. This is, whether you like him for president or not, this is how conservatives need to handle the press. Know what you're talking about and don't be afraid to talk about it. You'll hear it when we come back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, I was just talking about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's appearance on Meet the Press this past Sunday and how instructive he is for conservatives on how to handle hostile press. First of all, when you go to the mainstream press, as Bill Bennett says, assume the three A's, always assume assault. And Vivek Ramaswamy did. And he was prepared for it. That's the lesson. You can't go unprepared. You can't go unconfident. So the question Chuck Todd asked was, you know, you talk about uniting the country, but on all these issues from transgender to guns to, gosh, I don't know, he gave a litany of about five, the environment, five or six things. You sound like you're dividing the country when 50 percent of the people don't agree with you. Now, there's a lot of responses to that. Here's five aches. And unite the well, country. Yeah when you're essentially denigrating the views of half the country. I don't think I'm denigrating the views of half the country. I mean, let's take the touchiest of those subjects right now on the trans issue. Mm-hmm. I think that when a kid says that I'm born into the wrong body, that my gender doesn't match my biological sex, mm-hmm. more often than not, that is a case of a mental health disorder. That doesn't mean you disrespect that person. It means they're crying out for help. I met with two young women who regret the decisions they made going through double mastectomies, one a hysterectomy, chemical intervention, now trying to teach kids across the country that when you're struggling inside, going through adolescence, yes, that involves some struggle. We live in a cultural moment today where adults are affirming that confusion rather than actually treating them compassionately. That's cruelty. You ever talk to parents that have a, a, a kid who's going through this? I have, actually. Yeah, yeah and I think I mean, it's, I mean, it's a parent. My point it's is a difficult this. place to be. I acknowledge That's right. that. But yeah. what we need to do on both sides here is act with compassion, not really what makes us feel good about ourselves. Yeah. And I think that's my main issue across what our response to well, transgenderism and to climate. It's solving the actual underlying issues okay. rather than what allows you to signal your virtue. What makes it compassionate, though, to uh, pass a law that denies a parent uh, uh, making their own health care decision for their kid? That's the part of this. That doesn't sound very conservative in small government to me. Well, look, there isn't a state in this union that allows you to smoke an addictive cigarette before the age of 18 that allows you to get a tattoo before the age of 18. That's a body-altering change that a kid may later regret in life. So I think it is perfectly reasonable to say that 
if you're after 18 years old, you're free to decide whatever you want to do. That's what it means to live in a free country. But below the age of 18, I think it's perfectly legitimate to say that we won't allow genital mutilation or chemical castration through puberty blockers you're, you're for the purpose of that, gender transition. But how do you know it's that? Again, how do you know? Are, are you confident that you know that gender uh, is uh, as binary as you're describing it? Are you confident that I it am. isn't a spectrum? I uh, am. You know I'm, this as a scientist? Well, there's there's two X chromosomes if you're a woman, an X and a Y. That means there's a, a lot of so scientific research out there. There's a lot of scientific research out there that says gender is a spectrum. Chuck, I, I respectfully disagree. Gender dysphoria for most of our history, all the way through the DSM-5, has been characterized as a mental health disorder. And I don't think it's compassionate to affirm that. I think that's cruelty. When a kid is crying out for help, mm-hmm. what they're asking for is, you've got to ask the question of what else is going wrong at home? What else is going wrong at school? Let's be compassionate and get to the heart of that, rather than playing this game as though we're actually changing right. our medical understanding but for the last I, I go back years. to this. If a parent is dealing with a child that has these, that, yes. that may have these issues, trust me, the parent, the last thing they want to do is consider something like this. But if that is what they think could help their child pursue happiness or they're not to kill themselves, I, why take away that option? Again, it, why shouldn't it be up to the parent? So w- part of why parents now suddenly feel that way, let's ask ourselves that, Chuck, because we've created a culture that teaches parents that they're being bigoted or that they're bad people if they don't actually take those steps. So part of what I think is, listen, gender dysphoria for the rare few people who have suffered it Mm -hmm. is a condition of suffering. My question is, why on earth are we going out of our way Mm -hmm. to create even more of it? And there's no doubt that the cultural movement in this country, even education, is creating more gender dysphoria. If it's a condition of suffering, let's not create more of it. That's what we're doing. Let me ask you about the Disney. Stop it there. Yeah, Doug. See, I mean, Chuck, he just shut Chuck Todd down, yeah. and he yeah. didn't back off, and he went right to it. Right. I mean, right. my gosh, yeah. when's the last yeah. time you saw a guy running for anything who could do that? Well, I got to tell you, I've listened to about uh, eight or ten. <laughs> don't you his... think gender's? A... Oh. <laughs> don't you think yeah. gender's a spectrum? Dennis Sprigger no. said the other day, no. if someone told Chuck Todd that five years ago, he'd say, "What the hell are you talking about? Gender's a spectrum." Oh. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, gender. go ahead. I'm interrupting. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, not at all, because it, here's the thing that has frustrated me and many conservatives. I've listened to about 10 of uh, his different debates and interviews, and one of the things that drives me nuts is with most Republicans, they, they always look like a geek. Yeah. They ask a question, <laughs> they ask a question, and they start trying to answer it with liberals' talking yeah, points. Yeah. And and I cannot figure that out because anybody that uh, studies or listens to uh, conservative radio or podcasts, you should know more about. It's very easy to defeat a liberal. It is easy because you know their talking points. And if you go in there and you don't aren't prepared for their talking points, you're a moron. Yeah. And especially if you're in the business of politics, which should be in the business of convincing and conveying an idea. And one of the things I love about him is what he said in the very beginning is that he is fighting for the foundation principles. He is fighting for those principles. And so you should be able to convey those principles very clearly. And And it shouldn't take a high intellect to be able to talk very simply and clearly with conviction, and he does that. And i got to tell you, he's really making me excited. Me and, too. Uh, I, and you know yeah. what else he's doing? You know, Do you know how many millions of Americans believe what you, I, and he believe but are afraid to say it? 
they're afraid. Yeah. And he's well, well, not. And, and he's not. Well, I got to yeah, tell you, that yeah, gets yeah, a lot yeah. of credit in my book. Yeah. Well, well, and, and hence, a lot of my, my phone calls over the last many months saying that we're the problem because we're afraid to say it. Right. And if this young man, and, and he shows that you can do what I've been, and what you have been saying, say it and fight it and do so very classy. Yeah. You can confront and make it look like a stupid liberal point, but you can do so very convincingly uh, charming. And you know he you did that. You mean. know he accomplished that when Chuck Todd had to get off it, and when the yep. after the website on Meet the Press highlights yep. highlights the clip of him talking about FBI reform. Yeah, that's, that's right. FBI reform. Clearly, we saw what the majority of this 11-minute interview yeah. was about, but they're going to put him up yeah. on FBI reform. Yeah, okay, let, fine. Let, 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 let's forget the first yeah. nine minutes. Yeah. I got one little yeah. section here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, something that, you know, most, yeah, that doesn't, yeah, yeah not exactly a cultural hot point. Not yep. exactly. I mean, I, we all I'm want so it, but it's not exactly it, a cultural culture yeah well well and and this is one of the things and and even though i'm an old man i got to tell you i love his youthful yeah vivacious yeah. vivacious enthusiasm well how often have the, we said we have a youth problem maybe not yeah well here may be a youth maybe solution that. yeah yeah thank you doug yeah, i love it you bet bye bye How do you think the Biden administration is handling the economy? Stock market volatility, possible recession on the horizon, bank failures again in the news today. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? Why Refi has that. They have an investment in a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on and off. On or off, you can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. Why Refi is local. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road and the 101. I've been there. I can tell you, you will not be asked to sign anything. You won't get a sales pitch. They just like talking about what it is that they do. When you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much, and you can too. A due diligence-approved firm, you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, up to 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. All righty. What's your pin say? Today I have Birch Bayh in 76. Birch Bayh, Indiana senator. That's right. The source of one of our on-air corrections of oh. me by you, right? Yes, you remember. Because I said Dan Quayle defeated someone else, and it was him. I said he defeated Frank Church, and you said, are you sure it wasn't Birch Bayh? And you were right, and I was wrong, of course. Uh, it was Birch Bayh in 1980. Quail took him out. Quail took Birch by out in 1980, and it was a big deal because that was when Reagan, you know, swept and took the Senate. And there were all those Reagan babies who came into the Congress uh, and the Senate in 1980, and Dan Quail was one of them. Exactly. Yeah, uh, and kind of a big change because Birch by was kind of a lion of the liberal class of senators, wasn't he? He was there a while, and he was kind of a real. Big-time environmentalist. Big environmentalist, women's rights. May have written Title IX. May have. 
may have been responsible for Title IX that we talk about to this day. Um, but he was he was like one of the most respected liberal members. No scandals or anything like just a clean kind of a kind. Of, who was the guy in Washington? Like a Scoop Jackson type, yes, yes. right? Ran for president in the primaries of '76, right? Didn't do too Didn't well. Get very far. No, yeah. Mo Udall, Arizona had a candidate who did better. Mo Udall did better. Yep. Who were the big ones? Obviously, Carter. Scoop Jackson was there. In Scoop Jackson, yep. Jerry Brown, George and Wallace. the big one was George Wallace, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good work, David. We'll be right back.